Welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to City View. My name is Jeremiah. I'm the lead pastor here at City View, and I just want to say I'm so thankful to see you, uh, you all, as we um, just come on this beautiful Sunday morning. So we have been studying the book of Revelation. We're in week three now. We started two weeks ago, um, and we gave out these Revelation Bible journals. Um, I know we've ran out every single week, so we bought one more box. Um, and if you did not receive one of these, this is so that you can take notes um, and follow along with us and so that we're all sort of on the same page. So if you would like one of these, please raise your hand and the ushers will hand those out to you now. Um, so if you're not, like if, if you're just a visitor, like you're leaving or not, we only have a limited number of these, just so you know. We only, I've ordered 200. These are 250th. I'm only giving first service a very few because you guys take all of them every week. Um, second service is like, I didn't get one. I'm like, sorry, first service took all of them again. Um, so I, I saved a whole nother batch just for second service so that I don't have to tell them the news of, of you guys. Um, but it's, I'm thankful. <clears throat> it's really cool. It's, it's, been, it's been really fun for me to see how many people are following along. And last week I had somebody come up to me and say, thank you so much for helping me know how to write and take notes um, and it's helping me even grow in my walk. So I, I am excited. I'm glad we can give these out to you guys. Um, and it's just been fun. So, <clears throat> so we are in this series. Um, we've titled the first four chapters. Uh, we've titled it A Thriving Church. What does a thriving church look like? As we look at chapters one, two, three, four, and five. Um, and as we, as we dive into what more of what a thriving church looks like, the, the last, last two weeks we, we dove into um, Revelation chapter 1, and we, we broke that into two weeks, and we saw that a thriving church, the first thing it does is it focuses on Jesus. That's what a thriving church does. And then over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at seven different churches that the disciple, the follower of Jesus, John, he writes specific things to that they need to work on in their lives. Seven different churches. And each of those churches have, have challenges. They have good things that God has to say. Some have bad things that God has to say. Say, hey, you need to really work on this. But in each of those churches, there's things that we can look at in our own life at what we need to maybe make better or to consider, to change, or to celebrate. As we look at these seven different churches, there are seven basic parts to each of these churches. So if you're a note taker, this slide right behind me, you want to write down those things. If you're a slow writer, take a picture right now <clears throat> so that you can write at your speed. I'm, we're going to be on this slide for a minute, so I'm not going to rush through it. I'm going to briefly go through it. So there's seven different churches, and God, as he says this outline to the churches, these are the main points that he's going to say to them. Now, he doesn't say all, five, all seven things to all seven churches. He says, number one, number two, and number seven, and number five. So he gives them, there's a recipient, there's the speaker, there's the council, and then there is a promise to all seven. 
but only five of the churches, five of the churches, so some of those things only five churches get, some all seven churches get. They don't go in this order for every church. Every church doesn't get them in this exact order, but every church has this content written to them in their letters. Each letter is different. Some are encouraging. You're like, yeah, you're doing a great job. Some are like, they don't get a single positive thing. Some are like, you're just a hot mess and you need to work on a lot of stuff. But in each of these churches, there are things in each church that we can apply to our own lives. The first thing that we will see in these churches is there's a recipient. There's a specific church that is written to. The second thing you will see um, is that there is a speaker. The speaker is always Jesus. And as each letter is, is said, as the, the statement about Jesus, it's going to be a little different each time, but it's always going to speak to his power, his glory, and who he is. And then there's going to be a commendation or the condition of the church. Not every church gets this, but some of them do. There's going to be a complaint. This is what I have against you. Um, and there's going to be different things that are said. This is the counsel. This is what you need to start working on. Then there might be a warning. This, this, is, this is what's going to happen if you don't change. How many of you ever got a warning before? Anybody ever get a warning? Yeah, imagine getting one from God himself. Um, which we will get. If we don't read this and we don't receive this, be careful. Because the thing in each of our lives, there are those moments where God is trying to get our attention and if we don't pay attention, consequences come. And so there's warnings for us too as we study this. And then the final thing, the seventh thing, is there's a promise. Each church receives a promise of what God's going to do in their lives. So each church does not receive each part. These are the basic parts, as I said. But each church and our lives are all under attack every single day. They're under attack with distractions, under attack with, with um, temptations, they're under attack with, with things. So each church is under attack, but each of our lives, there's constant things trying to get our attention, trying to get us to walk away from things we love, people we love, the Jesus we love. We're all tempted all the time with so many different things. But in each of these letters, the focus that John wants, that God wants them to get is that focus on Jesus. Jesus has promises for us. Focus on Jesus. He has so much for us. As I was studying the book, these, these two letters to the two churches we're gonna look at today, one thing that I really want you guys to know is the only way that you will stand strong when times get hard is when you stay close to your first love. Because times will always get hard. They will get difficult. Pressures of life will come. And we're gonna learn as we look at these two different churches, they're very different, that the only way the second church stayed strong was because they stayed true to their love. Let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness and your just favor in our lives. And God, I ask that you would encourage and bless us, Lord, today. God, that we would receive from your word what you have for us. Lord, that we would hear from you. Um, and God, that, that you would just have, have your way with us. God, if we've walked away from our first love being you, then Lord, I pray that you would bring us back.
Lord, if we're going through the trials and worries of this world right now, we just need reinforcements. God, remind us. Jesus, I thank you that you are a good, good God to us as we prayed today and as we sang. Lord, I pray for my friend Tyler as he launches Cross Church um, El Mirage today. Speak through him, Lord. Um, Lord, speak to the people of El Mirage and those that you are bringing. God, I just I pray for great fruit there. Um, God, I also pray for Journey Church as they continue their um, building initiative. God, bless them with land. God, I pray that you would grant them favor with some landowner in North Peoria. God, I pray that somebody who owns land would give it to them. Lord, that you own all of it. So Lord, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, bless us here at City View in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Revelation chapter two, verse one, today, today, let's go. You guys excited? Because I am. How are you guys liking Revelation so far? Are you guys liking it? Okay, good. <clears throat> we'll be in it a long time. It's 22 chapters long. Um, there's a lot to go through, so we'll be in it for a while, till like the, the end of May, beginning of June-ish. Revelation 1, 2, Revelation 2, verse 1. The angel, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, to the angel. Now, we talked a little bit about this, how there are seven angels, and, and it's not, we, we cannot say definitively this is what it means when the Bible says to the angel. Some believe that it is an actual, that every church has like an angel, an angel that leads it, that guides it, that like a church guardian angel. Some believe that. We don't know. It's not beyond God to do that. Some believe that maybe there's a specific angel sent to each one of these churches and they lead them, they guide them. We don't know. Some believe that it is the, the, the <clears throat> that it is actually the messenger, because the word angel means messenger, that it's actually speaking to the pastor or elder who's overseeing that church. That's also a possibility. I lean more towards that, um, but really all of those could work. Um, it's, not, it's nothing to fight about. Um, that is, that's just the, the idea. So he, it's written to this angel. And then we see here our first thing. You know our seven things? I said seven as I put up five fingers. Seven things. <clears throat> I can count. I made it through high school. Um, the recipient. So here's the recipient. This letter is written to the church in Ephesus. And you'll see a map here behind me. The Ephesus. I forgot my laser pointer. If you can picture. Ephesus is <clears throat> right there. Bottom part of Turkey. Um, this is modern day Turkey right here. So the first letter is written to that city right there. Ephesus at this time, Ephesus was started by this couple by the name of Priscilla and Aquila, husband and wife team, church planners, missionaries going throughout. Um, <clears throat> pretty cool to see that. They go into the city, they start a Bible study there, and this church becomes a powerhouse of a church. Huge, influential church in that area. And in, during this time, they were the biggest, most influential church there in this region. Um, Paul preached there multiple times. Timothy was there. Uh, John actually was there at a time. Um, Apollos was there. They had a lot. Like It was the place where big-name speakers came, where pastors and all these guys, they had a huge influence there. It was also the main center point for the worship of a goddess named Artemis. And that worship of her was more of a sex kind of worship. 
where there was over a thousand different men and women, prostitutes. So this is, so you've got this huge Christian impact and then you've got this huge worldly impact in this city. Now, for those of you who go to belong groups, you are going to dive deeper into these churches for the next seven weeks, correct? So if you're not in a belong group, I'm, I'm not gonna dive deep into each of these churches. We're gonna go and we're gonna talk about them, but there's gonna be way more conversation that's gonna happen in those. So I wanna encourage you, get into a belong group. Don't miss out. Colin, who helps, Colin and Bree, who helped me lead, like I'm sending him notes as I'm going like, hey, I'm not gonna talk about these cool things that are happening. And there's cool things that he got notes that he already, he's already studied. You're just gonna miss out. So if you don't go, bummer for you. Um, <clears throat> the speaker, I'm not gonna tell you who it is because you have to go to belong group, just kidding. Uh, it's Jesus. Jesus is the one who holds, it says, holds the, the seven lampstands. And these lampstands, as we were told last week, are the seven churches. These lampstands, Jesus holds these seven churches in his hands. Now, as we talked about last week, the, they're not candle stands, they're lampstands. And the reason they're lampstands is the oil inside a lamp symbolized, that oil symbolized throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit. And when a church is not powered by the Holy Spirit, but when it's powered by self-power like a candle, it soon dies. And we're gonna see that this church, Ephesus, that they tried to self-power themselves. We, as our own lives, if we are trying to muscle it up and make our Christian life work in our own strength, we will run out. We must be powered by the Holy Spirit. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't, like this life, I, I, don't, I, I was talking to a friend of mine, so yesterday we hosted a, a funeral um, for a, a mom who was murdered by her um, husband. And I was texting my, my friend who was doing the service here, um, Randy, and he and I were talking back and forth, and I go, I don't, I don't know how people get through that when they don't have Jesus. I'm watching four sons, one of the sons witnessed it. This mom had four sons. And I'm, I'm like trying not to, you know me, I, I don't cry that much, but in those kind of situations, I'm trying to hold it together. I'm like, these, in, in one day, in one moment, they lost their mom and dad because the mom was murdered, the dad killed himself. One moment. And I told Randy, my friend, I go, I don't know how people get through this life without Jesus. We struggle, we muscle it up, we get through, we get through, we get tired, we get frustrated, and so many times these kind of things happen where we get addicted to other things or we fill up our lives on other things, but at some point we run out. And when you are trying to fuel your life on your own, you will run out. And so God is the, he is holding the seven churches, meaning he holds them accountable. He holds the leaders accountable and he's the one in control. Verse two, two and three. I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to test those who call themselves apostles. And they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have, under, and, and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown, grown weary. This first phrase here verse, in verse two, I know, that's said to every single church. God says, I know. 
It, there's, there's two main words in, in the Bible where God speaks of knowing. There's nosco. It's like an intimate knowing, like a husband knows his wife um, intimately. That's, that's one way of knowing. That's not this know. This word know is idio. It's to know anything. It's, it's a knowledge about. It's a perception about. It's the force of, of me. It's meaning something like you definitively know everything about a situation. You know their problems. You know the good, the bad, the ugly. You know their situation, and you understand their situation. That's what God says. God says, I know. I know what you're going through. I know your deeds. This is stating that the Lord has full and complete knowledge of the church. He knows everything that there is to know about them. God knows us too. He doesn't just know idio about you, but he knows, he knows gnosko, which means he knows intimately everything that's going on in your life. Your God knows you. He knows your struggles. He knows your worries. He knows your concerns. He knows you. Here's the command. He says to them, I know your deeds, your toil, your perseverance, that you cannot tolerate evil men. He says, you put to test those who call themselves apostles, commendation, not command, sorry, who call themselves apostles and they are not, and you found them to be false. The commendation, this church, they were a work hard kind of church. They served, they were a serve much kind of church. They reached their community. They studied God's word. They guarded the truths of God's word. All these things are great. They worked hard. They served. They were givers. They studied. They knew God's word front and back. They could defend it. They could fight for it. They were apologists. They were, they were like the, the perfect kind of church according to what we look at when it comes to metrics. Paul warned them early on in the book of Acts. He said, be careful. Wolves are coming in and they're going to try to distract you from following God's word. They're gonna to try to distract you from truths. And so they fought hard on making sure they knew the truths of God's word. They were great with spiritual disciplines. They woke up early in the morning. They got the church on time. They didn't miss a Sunday. Everybody in the church served. Everybody in the church knew God's word. Everybody in the church sang. Everybody in the church did all the things that if you said, this is what a good Christian looks like, they did all those things. They were a great looking group of people. If you were to go to this church and look at their social media page and look at their website, you would think they've got it together. They're serving their community. They're doing great things. You just look at them. But once you sat down in a service, once you went to church, if you were an outsider coming in, you would sit there and you go, but something's off. Something doesn't feel right. You couldn't quite put your finger on it. You couldn't quite figure out what it is, what makes this church not sit well with you. You would hear the word taught and maybe the pastor might come out and he might call out sin and he sounds like he's a great influencer. Like, man, this guy can really talk. Have you ever been to a place like that? But still something, okay, they teach God's word and they, they do good things and they have people serving everywhere, but something still doesn't sit right. That's this church of Ephesus. Big, 
powerful, influential. But there was this one thing. Verse 4. God, Jesus says, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds that you did at first. Or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The complaint. The next part of these seven things that come to these churches says they left their first love. It doesn't say they lost their first love. It wasn't like, you lost that love and feeling. Whoa, that love and feeling. It's not you lost. It's you left. Very different things. When you lost something, when you lose something, you don't know where to find it. You didn't do it on purpose. You don't lose something on purpose. It happens over time. They didn't lose their first love. They left it. They left him. When you leave something, you know where to find it. You did it on purpose. They worked so hard for God, but they stopped loving him in the process. And I think that's many Christians today. I think many of us, we can work so hard. We can read our Bibles. I talked to a guy the other day, and he's like, I have, have 1,245 days of using the YouVersion Bible app. And I go, but has God spoken anything to you in those 1,245 days, or is it just a notch on your belt of opening an app? I didn't say that to him. I should have, huh? I have lots of conversations with this guy. It's just a matter of time. But I think for some of us, we go, well, I serve, I give, I do this. But have we left our first love in the process? I remember it was 2017. I, it was my year of, I call it the, the dark night of my soul. It was one of the hardest years of my life in ministry. And I, I went through, man, it was like I went through hell and back. I was in a severe depression. Nobody really knew. Nobody really cared to ask. And I was still preaching, still serving. But at some point, I had left my first love. And I'm speaking at this missionary event this missionary retreat up in Flagstaff or something. And I am broken on the inside. I have nothing. I am 100% empty. And I'm reading this book. I brought one thing to read. I brought one book. Now, I, am, I don't know how many of you are like doer, 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 like just get stuff done. You love to-do lists because you love to knock them all down. And I, I'm like a, I'm on to my next thing. I'm like, that's just how I work. I'm like, I don't, I, I just, I love to be productive. I love to write, like I have a, I just, I'm weird, okay? So I take one book, because I know I'm broken. I'm like, God, I just, I need, I need something from you right now. 
and I go up and I'm reading this book by Ian Bounds called Power Through Prayer. It's a little book. I'd encourage you to read it, but it's really written to pastors. But you could read it. It's, it's a good book. It's old and everything, but whatever. I read chapter one and God says to me, Jeremiah, you are not desperate for me. And I realized in that moment that I had lost my first love. I had left my first love. And there were some things that God had to work in my life to bring me back. So God tells this church, you've left me. You've left me. They left him behind. I think this is something that we all need to be careful of. They are then told how to rekindle that love. The counsel. Remember, repent, and do. Remember. Remember who Jesus was to you at the beginning. Remember what he did to save you. Not, he doesn't go straight to the do. He starts with the remember. Because our life, our Christian life, is all about Jesus and what he's done in our life. It's not what we do for him. He doesn't start there. He starts reminding us what he did for us first. It's by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Remember, remember what he did. Remember how much he loved you. Remember how easily he can give you grace. Mercy, hope, and love. But we can easily forget grace, mercy, hope, and love. And then he says, repent. That means to change direction, specifically direction of mind. Uh, this morning, I was frustrated with one of my children. And Larry said, don't let him ruin your day. So I kicked him out of the house. Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'll let his buddies beat him up. <clears throat> Take care of him, okay? But Larry said, don't let him. So what I had to do was repent. Change the way my mind was thinking. That, that's, that's doing something on purpose. Repent. So Jesus says, repent to change. To, to have a different attitude towards and about Christ. And then he says, do. Do what you did at first. Bible reading, prayer, worship, community with other believers. So many times when I'm meeting with people who their marriages are falling apart or their life, I, I have to go back to these things. Remember, where's Jesus gone? And so many times, because we stop here, we forget about the grace of Jesus. And then I have to ask them, is there something in your life that you need to repent of? And then I have to say, okay, what have you stopped doing? Well, I couldn't tell you the last time I spent time in prayer. I couldn't tell you the last time I was at church. I couldn't tell you the last time. I know people watch online. If you're watching online, if your sole reason for watching online is because maybe you're sick or it's impossible for you to get here, I get it. But if you are a healthy human being and you're watching online, I'm sorry, but that's wrong. I know there are moments in our lives that we can't make it, 
But if you are not from Arizona, find a great community. If you don't know a good church in your area, email us. Email Tony at cityviewphx.com, Jeremiah at cityviewphx.com. We will find you a great church home in your community that you will love. Because community is necessary. And then God gives them the warning. If you don't change, he says your lampstand will be removed. And then there's this point about the Nicolaitans. Some of you are like, okay, what are the Nicolaitans? Go to Belong Group, I'm not telling you. <clears throat> um, that, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna give you any info on that. We're also gonna talk, to, talk about them in a couple weeks because they're also mentioned to another church. Verse seven. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. He who has an ear. This specific statement that's said to almost all the churches, he who has an ear, God is saying, any of you who read this, not just to the churches, anybody who has an ear, which we all have at least one in here, anybody who has an ear, listen to the message to these churches. Because these letters were, were circulated throughout the region. That's why we have it today. We have it because people shared this note. You guys know, have you ever gotten those emails that says share this and 10 people will be blessed? This is the beginning of that. It started with God's word and then people copycatted it and then they're all going to hell for doing that. Um, <laughs> just, that's jokes. But, but for real, like this is the first time that was done. Share this and a blessing will be for those who read, for those who hear, for those who do. He who has an ear. And then the promise, to him who overcomes, you will be given fruit from the tree of life, which the first time you hear about it is in Genesis, and then we hear about it again in the book of Revelation. This tree of life speaks of eternal life, meaning life with Jesus. Now to the church of Smyrna. And to the angel of verse eight, and to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, the first and the last who was dead and who has come to life says this. Now, let me tell you guys, there's so much more that could be said about the church of Ephesus. Every single one of these churches, we could spend a whole sermon a couple weeks on. That's why I wanna encourage you, go to belong groups. The questions are amazing. The conversations are great. You don't want to miss belong groups because when we start diving into these churches this week, you will be encouraged and you will see and learn more things. So make sure you bring your journals. But I wish there's so many more things I want to share, but I'm not going to. Sorry. The recipient, the church at Smyrna. Could I have my map back of where it is? So the church at Smyrna is 35, about 35 miles from Ephesus. So you got the next church 35 miles away. That's about from here to Queen Creek or so. I think that's about 35 miles away, isn't it? Something like that. Somewhere, yeah. So, um, so that's the church of Smyrna. Um, they are a strong church. They are surrounded, though, this church, they are a strong church. They're a strong church in their faith. But they're, the, the city that they're in is focused on emperor worship. They worship the Roman emperor. So whoever was the emperor at that time, they were so focused on worshiping their ruler. Very similar to our country today. We, we don't worship our current one, but man, we sure worshiped our last one. 
And I know some of you love presidents. And I think as we prayed this morning for Biden, like we do need to pray. But if our worship, our shares, our likes, the things we post, if they focus more on a president than they do on Jesus, we are dangerously coming close to emperor worship like the city of Smyrna. I know we want and I know we love our country. I love my country. And many, I mean, I, I come from where my, my dad was, was an immigrant. He was born in Nazi, Nazi Germany during that whole regime. My family has been raised to love my country. But I love my Jesus more. When my dad and his family came over from Germany, they brought a Bible. Or they left the Bible there, bought a new Bible here. They brought Jesus with them. It's because of their faith that they got in Germany that I'm able to preach here today. Okay? I'm not saying anything bad about our country. Do not take me that way. But I just want us to be careful not to become emperor worshipers and forget Jesus in the process. This church was focused on Jesus. The speaker to this church, Jesus. He's titled himself the first and the last. That means he's eternal. He was part of creating all things. That's what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the first and the last. He says, I was dead, meaning referring to, he died on the cross. And then he says, and I have come back to life, meaning I rose again. So that's who Jesus is. He says, I am the first and the last. I was dead and I came back to life. He wants to make sure that everybody knows who's stating these things. So each letter to the church, he wants them to know, this is not from John, this is from me. I am telling you what you need to know. Jesus is making sure they know he's talking. Verse nine. I know your tribulations, your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Again, we see that Jesus says, I know, I get you. He says that to every church and he says that to every single one of you today. I know some of you might feel forgotten. You might feel like Jesus doesn't know you. You might feel like God doesn't get you. But I want you to know today that Jesus knows you, understands you, loves you, and he will never stop pursuing you. That's who Jesus is. I know. The commendation. This church stood strong. They stood strong in hard times. The church was poor. Because of the decisions they made to not worship the emperor... They lost influence, they lost jobs, they lost money. I know there are people that when they leave certain religious sects, um, I have a friend who left the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The moment he left, he was exiled from anybody who ran businesses or anything. I know people who maybe they've left the Mormon church, and the moment they left the Mormon church, they lost every single influence, because there's community. There's people that when the moment you hurt somebody in that your town, you ever lose community because maybe you offended one person? That community happened. When these people said, we believe in Jesus, we're not gonna worship the Roman emperor, they lost influence, they lost jobs, so that's why they became poor. But the, the church, though, it says, but you are rich, meaning spiritually rich. The fruits of the Spirit were in them. Their love for one another was seen through them. And then the church was slandered for their faith by the Jewish people. 
slander for what they believe, slander for what they stood for. And, and God even says it's they're being used by Satan. Satan was using the Jews in that region to do his work and to try to discourage and distract this church from living for Jesus. And then Jesus says to them, do not fear. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison. Man, talk about encouraging, huh? So that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until the end. If you are underlining, underline, do, do not fear in your journal Bible. Underline that, do not fear. And underline, be faithful until death. And God says, and I will give you the crown of life. The counsel, don't fear. The phrase, don't fear, don't be afraid. I know maybe some of us have heard the phrase, don't fear, don't be afraid. It's used 365 times in the Bible. Have any of you ever heard that? I'm sorry, but that's not true. It sounds cool and all. It sounds nice that 365 days a year, God says, do not fear that. It's not true. It's about 100 times. That doesn't discredit it. But God doesn't want us to focus on fear. God is a God of love. Love is mentioned well over 365 times because he wants us to know that he loves us, that his love will get us through everything. As God's children, fear is not what drives us. Love is. Yesterday at the memorial, this guy, which, man, it was interesting. You know, memorials, you never know what you're gonna get. Cuss words were said in here. Wasn't expecting that at all. You can't filter somebody once they start talking. Um, but one thing he did, he's talked about hate. Does what, what's that Martin Luther King quote? Hate doesn't fight back hate, but love does. Love, as God's children, love should be what drives everything we do. Jesus says, to "Them don't fear that you are going to suffer soon." He says 10 days. The suffering is going to be 10 days. We're, we're not sure whether it was uh, an exact 10 days. Some believe that it was exactly 10 days, that, that they went through suffering, that at some point this church, 10 days. They were thrown in prison for 10 days, a group of people. That could be it. Could be totally literal 10 days. Um, that's what many believe. I tend to lean more that way. Some believe it could be a symbolic 10 days, referring to the 10 evil Roman emperors that were going to persecute the church. Those emperors were named Nero, Domitian, Trajan, Marcus Aurelius. When I read some of these names, I think of the movie Gladiator, and I'm just like, yes, let's go fight. But I'm sorry, that's just where my brain goes. If you've never seen that, are you even a guy? Um, Severus, uh, Maximum, uh, Deasius, Valerian. If I'm saying these wrong, I'm just not a linguist. Aurelian and Diocletian. Some believe that this is speaking specifically about Diocletian, the 10 years, or the 10. Diocletian, he, his reign, specific reign and persecution of the church lasted 10 years, and he was one of the worst emperors of the time. We don't know. All we know is the devil is going to distract, discourage, and hurt them for a period of time. That's what we do know. We do know that there is a, one of their pastors, a name by the name of Polycarp, in this church of Smyrna. You can read his story. He's in the history books. He's, this is not like something made up. But Polycarp was the pastor there, and he was imprisoned for preaching Jesus. And they told him, they said, you need to renounce Jesus. 
If you renounce him, if you just say, yes, I worship the emperor, but I'm still a follower of Jesus, all we need you to say is you worship the emperor. That's all we need from you. Just say you worship him. Just say, yes, the emperor is great, we worship him. That's all we need. And then you will not die for your faith. He said, I cannot do that. And this is what he said. They they've wrote this down for us to know even today. He says, four score and six years. So for 86 years have I served the Lord and he never wronged me. How then can I blaspheme my king and savior? So they were, their plan was initially to throw him into like a place sort of like the Colosseum and to feed him to the lions. But the, the killer guy, whatever the guy is that runs that, the main gladiator guy or whatever, he says, the, the lions are full. <laughs> They've already killed enough Christians today because that's who they would kill. He said, okay, get a bundle of wood and tie him to it and burn him alive. And he said, can you guys just not pierce my hands? He goes, you can bind me. I promise I won't leave the fire. They said, okay. So they bind him, they wrap him up and he stands there in the fire and they light it. And as the, the story goes, he is not consumed by the fire. It says the fire actually is like an arch over his head. Does not touch him. This infuriates them. So they pierce him through with a spear. And the blood, it says the, the amount of blood that came out of him extinguished the fire. God says, you will be tried. Christians, we don't go through this here in America very much. I have friends in India that have walked through this. I have friends in India who've, who've lost their lives because of their faith, who've lost family, who have been beaten, who have been uh, um, brutally hurt, houses burned down, churches burned down. I met one pastor where they... They actually broke both of his knees. And I'm not just telling you stories. I'm telling you conversations I've had with these pastors. How did they stand? I'm going to get to that in a little bit. Jesus tells them, but here's what you will receive. You will receive the crown of that's what you will receive, the crown of life. In the Bible, there are five different crowns. The slide's gonna come up behind me. Take a picture of that. I'm not gonna read those to you. Maybe you can talk about them in, when we discuss Smyrna. But there are five different crowns, but here's what I'm gonna tell you about these crowns. These crowns are given to you according to how you live for the Lord. There are rewards for your Christian life. For those of you who, who barely do anything, the Bible says that you will get to heaven as if by the skin of your teeth. You don't want to get there like that. We're not doing it because we're like, I, want, I need a notch. We're doing it because we love him. But God, out of his love for us, gives us a reward back. Verse 11. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Here's the promise. God says you will not be hurt by the second death, meaning 
judgment day. He says, yes, you may die here, but you will eternally live with me in heaven. That's the promise. The 10 days period, rulers, whatever it might be, God says, yeah, you will receive trials, but I'm gonna help you get through. This church is nothing negative is said about them. They stand firm in their faith. They're told not to fear. What makes the church of Smyrna and the church of Ephesus different? The church of Ephesus was so focused on making sure they did everything right that they missed out on Jesus while they were doing it. The church of Smyrna was so focused on making sure that they loved Jesus first that all their works just came out of an overflow of their love for him. Because they loved him, they went to church. Because they loved him, they read his word. Because they loved him, they prayed. Because they loved him, they worshiped. Because they loved him, they loved their family. Because they loved him, there was this outpouring of their heart of wanting to do what they knew pleased him. The only way that we will be able to stand when times get hard is when we stay close to your first love. And that's what the church of Smyrna did. And that's why today there is no church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus died. There is no lasting, strong church there. But if you go to Smyrna today, it's still a hub for missionaries being sent out. It's still a hub for Christianity. You know why? It's because they never left their first love. So church, I know there's so many distractions in our world. And I know there's difficult times. Hold tightly onto your first love. Remember what he's done. Repent if you've gone wrong. Do what you did at first. Be faithful because he is faithful to you. Let's pray. Lord, I know I can easily get focused on the work that I forget you. Jesus, thank you for your love and grace. This morning as we continue, as we sing, maybe some of you need to remember today. Maybe some of you, you need to repent today. Maybe for some of us in here, it's, what do I need to go back to doing? Don't do these things out of order. Don't do, repent, and remember. Remember Jesus. Repent and do. Know this, Jesus loves you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click the follow button and tune in next week for another great message.